Bench Bros presents the NFL Weekly Drive. Here's your host, Wesley Split. Welcome to the Bench Bro NFL Weekly Drive, where we recap all the hard NFL action from this past weekend and all the latest news from around the league. I'm your host, Wesley Splain. Joining me today is Bench Bro Junkie Anthony Fertini, and Brandon Farrell will be joining us later. Anthony, what's up, man? Yo, what up? Yo, what up, dude? It was a pretty interesting weekend across the league for the NFL, and especially during the week. Um, and intriguing stuff, including your Dolphins, man. Probably going to draft the whole entire Ohio State team. Yeah. I, uh, I got no comment on them. You should. It's your team, man. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's just straight-up embarrassing. Just, there's no words. It's... Nobody cares. Nobody is just, they're just like, whatever. Nobody cares about winning. Nobody cares about playing. It's just, it, whatever it is, it is. That's all it is. <laughs> well, in case you missed anything, here's a quick, re- uh, quick recap of all the scores from across the NFL in week two on this edition of NFL Rundown. Tampa Bay goes on the road to win against the Panthers on last Thursday, 20-14. Cam Newton got banged up and has lost eight straight starts since week 10 of last year. Cowboys went to D.C. and handled the Washington Redskins 31-21. Cowboys are 2-0 for the second time in the last 10 seasons. Colts came back and beat the Titans 19-17 with Jacoby Brissett throwing for three touchdown passes his career high. Seattle at last... Steelers 28-26 with Big Ben going out in the second quarter. Steelers are 0-2 for the first time since 2013. Bills are champions of MetLife Stadium by beating the Giants 28-14. They beat the Jets last week and go home to face the Bengals this upcoming week. Patriots, to no surprise, nailed the Dolphins 43-0. Texans held off the Jaguars 13-12. The Texans stopped the Jaguars' two-point conversion on the last play to move to 1-1. The Packers defeated the Vikings to claim the top spot in the NFC North 21-16. Lions beat the Chargers 13-10 in their home debut. 49ers cruised their way through the Bengals 41-17. The 49ers offense told more than 500 yards. Ravens took care of business against the Cardinals 23-17. The Chiefs defeated the Raiders 28-10 with all their points scored in the second quarter. Rams handled the Saints 27-9. Breeze injured his thumb and left in the second drive. And Teddy Bridgewater took over. Bears won against the Broncos on 53-yard game-winning field goal by Eddie Pinheiro. Falcons hold off the Eagles 24-20 on a Julio Jones 54-yard touchdown screen pass with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then the Browns easily handled the Jets 23-3 on Monday night. That is your NFL rundown. All right, before we get into like any of the big injury news amongst quarterbacks and the benching news, is there anything that impressed you um, week two across the league throughout the NFL? Uh, impressive. Mm. Honestly, nothing off the top of my head, to be honest with you. I got to say that, um, Baltimore might be a very scary team with, if Lamar Jackson can keep on throwing the football. I think he had another over a 300 yard day. Um, it looks like his Heisman self from when he played at Louisville. So, I mean. They got played Kansas City this week, and you'll learn a lot more from that. But I think Lamar Jackson has finally, in his sophomore season, found his groove amongst this Raven offense on a very good team. I think the only thing that really impressed me was the week one with the Ravens. And the week, week two for him, he was really good as well. But week one, I know they played the Dolphins, but still to, to put up 59 points with Lamar the first game of the season is incredible. It is very um, incredible, yeah. So week one really impressed me. And uh, week two, I mean, nothing really like too too much that stood out just besides the whole injury thing with Drew Brees and the Saints. You could definitely see they were struggling. Um, Jets, Browns, I mean, that was no surprise. I mean, Cam Newton just looked absolutely awful on uh, last Thursday. Yeah. And now it just came out that he re-aggravated his foot. But I don't know why they didn't do that after the game to save some of the media press. But, like, yeah. man, he was just totally off. That was, like, not even a good Tampa Bay performance either. Granted, the defense played pretty well. But Cam was just missing a lot of receivers that would have been, like, easy six. And yeah. then, like, over 50-yard gains. Like, 
Eh, it was just really iffy cam and you got to think like are they going to shut him down with the shoulder surgery and like the <laughs> aggravation of the foot would it be best to shut him down and then just play either Will Greer or uh Kevin Allen or Kyle Allen I think that with some people it's just really hard to bounce back after injury and like Gronkowski is a great example like just injury after injury after injury and but Adrian Peterson is a good example of the complete opposite, tearing his uh, ACL and coming back and breaking records. So I think it really just depends on the person. Um, but some of these players that are really dealing with these injuries, it's hard for them to come back, and it seems like Cam's one of them. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, the Rams impressed me, even though Drew Brees went down. Uh, Chiefs scoring 28 points in, like, the second quarter. It looked like the Raiders were going to get way out in front, but then uh, Patrick Mahomes threw 313 yards in the second quarter too. It was it was absolutely nuts. Like what? that Chiefs offense is ridiculous. One thing that impressed me too is a little bit is the Raiders. I'm really shocked that after all this BS that's going on, that they're playing pretty well, um, and that most of all, John Gruden is kind of actually doing his job. And, yeah, they're, you know, they're having like momentum and like togetherness when it comes to like uh complete football it's just you were playing the chiefs and you know you get exposed sometimes when you're going up against the big arm of patrick mahomes yeah but pretty surprising from that team honestly they're they're looking pretty decent and uh not not what i thought they'd be yeah they they do have a very rough schedule though they got to play the nfc north and then i think we the afc south as well so yeah. it's not going to be very easy for the Raiders. and they don't play a home game till late october right so you're not going to see any wild. of that baseball field anymore why do they have that baseball field there like how do they how do they even do that like it's not even it, it's, it's because it's the facing A's in the, the short side of the field yeah, it's uh, the A's and the Raiders share that field. I don't know why. Like, remember Miami used to do it with the Marlins? Right, right, right. right. This is like one of the but last teams to do it. It's just you would think that they, the field crew would be smart enough to put, like, grass over top of where the dirt is. But so I don't that's know if that's Oakland like. Oakland A's actual stadium. Yeah. How yeah, do they've they been shoot? using it for the last 40 to 50 years. Aren't baseball stadiums more circular? Like, how do they shape the seats like that? Well, they put well, they put like extra seating. Like, that is so the, weird. Closing sideline is. Yeah, I mean, it's granted it's going to be the last year we see it because they're moving to Vegas next year. But yeah, but like like you said, just put some grass over it. It's not that much because it's I mean, like you get hit and then you fall in that dirt. It's like getting tackled on concrete. It's not yeah. very appeasing. It's very dry <laughs> too, that dirt. And and like your footing too is just like you go from grass to dirt and then it's just like you're running from grass basically on the concrete and you're wearing <laughs> like very thick cleats. It's gonna be that, really, really weird. Yeah, no, that's very true, honestly. It's I don't know. I grant it to the, like the guys that are like used to it because like that could be a big home field advantage thing, but it's only like the first two weeks of the season, right? <coughs> but I did like what the what the Colts did winning in, against the tough Tennessee team like at on the road is pretty good. And Jacoby Brissett, I, I'm on the hype train of Jacoby Brissett. I think he's the real deal for the Colts. I mean. The three touchdown passes this week and two touchdown passes last week. You know, I, Indianapolis is going to be a tough team to beat. It's not going to be an easy cakewalk. I think in Indianapolis, he really found he really stepped up to the occasion. Versus being in New England, I guess he kind of saw himself as just like a temporary backup. And now that he actually sees himself as a real starter, I think he kind of you know got it together and said, okay, like this is my time. This is my time to shine. Here's my opportunity. And there's probably not as much pressure playing in Indianapolis as there is in New England under their coaching staff. So he may feel more comfortable out there. And he's yeah, got he's more experience good. in the system too. More experience. Like that off that offensive line is like really good. Really, and the really Titan good. the Titans defense is one of the best defenses in the league as and some people may not agree with me, but Mike Verbal was uh the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at Ohio State until he took the full time job as head coach for the Titans and Are you sure? Uh, yeah. I thought that was um 
the old Tampa Bay coach, uh, Geo, whatever his name was. Ah, I, I can't. No, it's Mike Verbal or Ver. It's it's. I v- thought Mike Verbal was with the Patriots for a while. Then he worked with Houston, and then he got the job at Tennessee. I think it was. Um, uh, I can't remember his name. Um, he was the defensive coordinator last year, and he was a head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a while for Ohio State. Hmm. I don't. I don't know. The- I. I know now. Mike Verbal is the coach, or Verbal, whatever he is for it's the Titans. Yeah, and he, he was knows- a solid linebacker too. Yeah, he played as well. He played with Brady, I think, and. He knows his way in and out of the defense, so he does a good job at Tennessee, and it shows, man. It really does. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, Jacoby Brissett played really good against that, that defense. Oh, I'm thinking of Greg Schiano. That's the Rutgers coach, yeah. Yeah, Greg Schiano uh, was, was the Ohio Tam- State defense coordinator. Yeah, Tampa, Rutgers, Ohio State. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, that AFC South, even with uh, Jaguar sitting at zero and two, um, Gardner Minshew. Granted, all these Washington State quarterbacks are coming out of nowhere, man. Luke Falk played on Monday night. Gardner Minshew's yeah. not playing. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's but, surprising. But he's like a air, he comes from the air raid of Mike Leach, and he can do- totally sling the ball around. And he led the Jaguars on that. Um, the last drive to score that touchdown with like two seconds left. Yeah. Granted, they did two point conversion, but I feel like they'll be perfectly fine with Gardner Minshew if they want to stick with him instead of uh, when Nick Foles comes back, if he ever comes back 100% healthy. Yeah. Um, Seahawks and then Cowboys handling the Redskins, um, pa- Patriots doing their business, but. You know, um, Antonio Brown making his debut, catching a touchdown pass from Tom Brady. Um, he, he, it looked like he fit pretty dang well, and they wanted to feed him the ball, get used to the system and stuff. That offense is going to be very hard to stop for just like any regular team. I know it was the Dolphins, but, but no, still. No, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard be for any team, yeah. Um, you pretty much have a, an all-star offense. You know, you have Brady, you have – um, Antonio Josh Brown, Gordon. You got Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman. Uh, All the running backs are good. Sony Michelle, yeah. James White. Yeah. So you have a lot of talent, and no matter who goes that team, it's going to be a tough team. That to defense play. is stellar. Yeah. No. Yeah. So we're looking good. Yeah, I I was uh, shocked that the Lions beat the Chargers, and then um, I was also shocked by like the. The way the um, Falcons were able to hold the lead against the Eagles. That was mm. a great game, too. I missed that game, but I heard it was good. Yeah. Carson once had a crazy pass that was like he was getting tackled and like he released that the last before his knee hit. But um, the Eagles are missing Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson. Like they all got hurt. And now the number one receiver is Nelson Aguilar. Deshaun Zach- Jackson got hurt. Yeah, his, uh, he hurt his abdominal um, area. I got to look at what the injury report is because I think he's going to miss like three or four weeks. Damn, I didn't know he got hurt. Yeah. It's a, it's a I got I to look at it. Dallas Goddard also got hurt. I mean, the Eagles right now are just like banged up city. They got the injury bug. Like Carson Wentz went out for a couple of plays and uh, Josh McCown went back into the game. It just seems like this whole NFL this year is just really banged up, but a lot of players are out. Well, I feel like – now, I know we talked about the preseason beforehand, and um, I got the questionable with the groin injury and lower abdominal strain. So, yeah, I mean, he's probably going to miss two weeks for Deshaun Jackson. That sucks. But, yeah, I mean, it comes back to the preseason where none of these guys play. And in football, you need to get into the right shape in order to, like, get used to all these all this contact at 100%. And you're playing about, like, 60 to 70 snaps per game for the next 16 weeks. That's why I feel like preseason is very valuable to, like, starters just getting in and getting used to, like, 
the speed of the game and, you know, getting a little bit contact because they're not getting banged up in practice, especially yeah. these quarterbacks. Yeah, no, it's it's more than true. <clears throat> it's more than true. These these guys, they just need reps, uh, you know, best player in the league or not. You just need to get reps. And if you're not if you're not into that whole, uh, you know, zone before you enter the regular season, it's just going to be like going from zero to 100. And I don't think that is a lot of coaches want to say like, oh, this is the way we're going to do it because we want to, you know, reserve them and, and make sure they're not wasting their energy and talent right away. But what's really happening is they're not getting any reps. They're not getting warmed up and then they're going zero to a hundred right away and getting hurt. So I think there needs a better, there needs to be a better communication between, I want to say the sports medicine staff and the coach. Um, and this goes in all sports, mostly um, NFL it seems to be, the number one thing where there needs to be a better communication to where the the coaches can trust the coaches can kind of lose their ego and trust the sports medicine staff to say hey i think you guys should do this this and this or whoever is going to be involved you know and then go from there brandon's on the line brandon what's up buddy good morning guys what up, Brand? good morning where are you from uh korea uh no i'm actually out here in south africa right now <laughs> what's up guys um, good to be back where are we at well we were just recapping uh week two uh what were some of the impressions you saw from around the league in uh week two we just started <clears throat> talking about like injuries and stuff but uh first of all what do you think about like what were your takeaways like what team impressed you what players stood out whatnot um let me let me get my bearings here uh, honestly, the 49ers impressed me. Uh, I, I know it's not saying much going against the Bengals, but uh, I mean to put up 41 points. I mean the Bengals aren't aren't really that aren't really a sad team, but to put up 41 points against the Bengals and they're two and zero so far, so they're rolling. Uh, the Ravens have really stood out to me. Lamar Jackson is uh, is starting to prove himself to be an actual quarterback, not just a running back. Um, and I'm I'm tired of seeing the Dolphins lose by. 30, 30 points or 40 points the past two weeks. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe they should just wave the white flag this season and just call it quits until next season. Join the XFL? College, <laughs> I mean, I practice, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kansas City and Baltimore played this week, and that's going to be awesome. Like I said about uh, – I was also very impressed with, like, the way Lamar Jackson has gone week to week still like over 300 yards passing and you know he he looks like he's the real deal back to his louisville heisman uniform so looks like he's worked that out and the balance the run game and the pass game but, yeah he's been uh, very impressive yeah uh we hinted about like injuries as well and like players all around the league are getting injured and i was kind of suggesting how like them not playing in the preseason is kind of like transitioning over them like getting hurt and my point was going to be like, you know, th these guys are tired by like the second or third quarter because they haven't been in the game shape. Game shape is so much different than being in like actual practice football shape. It's it's completely different because your guy used to be um be playing at hundred percent with all your bot like all your like bruises and like um you know your mind grains and stuff and gotta go full on 100 percent like yeah. for another 30 snaps so it, it, it's it's definitely a lot of the physical part like you can't replicate the physical part but also the mindset like if it, you have a tie game 14 14 the fourth with 59 seconds to go you know your mind's going to be pretty stressed out right now you can't replicate that in practice really i mean you can try but, like, you know what's on the line in a real game versus not in front of 70,000, 60,000 fans and your coach. And, and in a close game, it's, like, it's going to be, like, you went through a lot to get to that close game. It's not just, like, okay, here's the situation. Um, we're at the two-yard line, yada, yada, yada. No, you drove your way to the two-yard line. Now you got to deal with, like, what what defensive adjustments that the defense is going to make if you're on offense, you know. Uh, how am I going to stop the quarterback if, you know – I've been I've been getting my butt beat for the past five plays. It's just all that scenarios, and then like playing tired is the worst thing you can do in football because that's when a lot of injuries happen. You kind of get care 
your body becomes a little bit careless, but you're not trying to think of that way. But like you start losing your legs and everything like that. Uh, Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's right that the um, that some teams sit their starters the whole preseason. Um, get them in there for a quarter. Get them in there for two quarters. I understand you want to conserve them because the the risk of getting injured. But I mean, look at all the severe injuries that have already happened at the, just at the beginning of the season. Um, Jets a lot of seven starters on that defense on Monday night. Seven starters. I mean, so many so many injuries, and it's only week two. Uh, and it just goes to show. I mean, they're not conditioned properly. They're. I, I, I mean, are they hydrating? Or I mean, is their diet right? I mean, they're definitely not conditioned properly. And it shows on the field, and with the injuries that have already happened in only week two, and players that have came back from what could have been a scary injury. I mean, it's not right. I mean, there's preseason for a reason. Get in there, get your reps, get a couple drives in every game, and and you're good. It used to be There's, where like the starters used to play three quarters in the third preseason game. Now, now it's like the LA Rams approach, where like it's the new norm in the NFL. You just don't play your starters during preseason. It shows that it's really affecting the game the first two weeks. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason for it. I mean, you get paid from the day the pre from the day you get to camp to the end of the season. You're getting paid, so why not get in there and play during preseason? Now, some guys do want to play, but the coaches won't let them. So, I mean, like Drew Brees, I mean, you could tell this guy always wants to get out there on the field, but it, uh, Sean Payton won't let him play in the preseason. And, I mean, I'm not going to say his thumb injury is a result of that because that was just a freak accident. Goddamn yeah. Aaron Donald, he screwed me in fantasy. But same. <laughs> same. Yeah. I literally have nobody. Uh, I'm screwed. Yeah, fantasy teams are running thin now, so get your boys in there in the preseason for the sake of us fans. <sighs> yeah, I'm going to be ant this week for my first win. <laughs> I'm 0-2 right now. But, yeah, even with um, – if you would have played your starters during preseason, you would have found out that Ben Roethlisberger obviously had that elbow injury. Uh, it, it was a non-contact injury, and we you could tell, totally tell from watching that Patriots game that, like, his, his accuracy was way off with a bunch of receivers. Granted, they didn't catch really anything, and I think they finally cut Dante Moncrief, like, uh, two days ago, which is good because he was dropping everything from Ben Roethlisberger. But the, the problem the they problem were saying that, that like that was showing in training camp, and it's just like, well, throw him in a game, you will understand why, you know. The problem is, it's a big ego part. It is a very big ego, and also it's it's humans thinking they're robots when they're not. Like anything could happen at any time. Put, like you guys said, put him in, let him play. If he has an injury already, then you'll be able to see it a little bit better as he plays. Because if you put him in game one, he's going to have more risk of getting hurt and ruining the, the game than if he didn't even start in general. So why do you even, you know, why are we holding out? It's not like it's like a robot where it's like, okay, we can use this guy. Then once, once this robot breaks, then we can go do the next one. And then like, no, like it's humans. Like anything can happen at any time. Just and I understand it's football. Like you're, you, this is what these guys do. So why are you sitting on the bench not doing what you're supposed to be doing? Right. Um, there's that. It's and then more there... of a coach's thing, though. Too. It's not really the players. Oh, it's yeah. It's more it's the not coaches. the players at all. It's the it is. It's staff. the coaches, a hundred percent. It's the coaches and the ownership. 100%. And the ownership. It's I mean, stupid... it stems from the ownership. It's a very like stubborn, like ego inflated decision, which is dumb. So but just it, I mean, players play. As a result of that, I mean, we all saw how the slow the slow start to week one for a lot of teams. I mean, a lot of teams look sloppy in week one, and now the it's very week first two. Game, and... The Bears and the Packers, like that was 10-3. Yeah, uh, well, that was a, I mean that was a defensive game, but neither that quarterback great... looked very good. No, it just kept getting pressure the whole time, though, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, his receivers like, weren't getting separation, and Mitch Trubisky just—I mean, he's not—he's he, not a mobile quarterback, but he should use his legs. He's a young guy, he, and he's just quick. He stunk. He made Joe Flacco look on his level, but he really stunk on that Broncos game. He was boys. missing a lot of throws. I yesterday played football brand with the guys you usually play with, and West, you played with them one time before, right? Yeah, and. Nate 
goes, holy shit, Anthony looks a lot like Mitchell Trubitsky. And I thought about that. I was like, I told you that. Somebody told me that before. And I'm like, <laughs> the other guy was like, holy shit, he really does. I'm like, damn, damn that boy. And it's like, like Mitchell Trubitsky, bro. <laughs> I didn't tell you that because you said that actually. I'm like, who? Like, no, I don't. But yeah, you do, man. Well, as long as you don't look like Ryan Jeans, you're good now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get back on track with um, Teddy Bridgewater now filling in with Drew Brees. Drew Brees is going to miss six six weeks. He just had surgery today. He's hoping he misses six weeks, but it could be longer. And then Big Ben Roethlisberger is out for the year, and replacing him is Mason Rudolph, who is essentially a second-year rookie coming out of Oklahoma State. Um, Anthony, you probably remember Mason Rudolph, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, he was a Oklahoma kind of guy from uh, two years ago. Yeah, but uh, I'm gonna send the question out to you: Who do you think is in a better spot to like make the playoffs? Is the Steelers or the Saints? Rebound from these injuries, dude. I, I do not like the way the Steelers are playing. To be honest with you, I think this whole. I still think this whole Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Mike Tomlin, Big Ben problem is just still carrying over a little bit. The Saints is a very well-trained and under-controlled team. Um, They're very smart on the field, and I think they have great coaches surrounding them. And not saying Mike Tomlin's not a great coach, but I just think that the Saints are a little bit more in position in all four corners than the, than the Steelers are to make the playoffs. <laughs> oh, it's <my> turn. <laughs> right <in>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm watching highlights here. Uh, all right. Yeah, cut that out. Um, I don't think, Not I don't think it. Uh, I don't think either team is in a position to make the playoffs right now. I, I'm not even sure if they were in a position to begin with before their starters went down, to be totally honest with you. Um, after after Drew Brees went out, I mean, that whole offense suffered. Alvin Kamara didn't produce. He couldn't run the ball. And I'm not really going to give credit to the uh, Rams front because it didn't look that great. But, I mean, just nothing was happening. I mean, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, I mean – Defenses aren't going to respect his passing game. No. And it's going to be hard to, to get the run game going if you don't have a passing game. So Alvin Kamara is going to suffer. I mean, Michael Thomas is always there. We saw that was his go-to guy for the whole for the rest of the game against the Rams. Um, I, Jared the Saints Cook just had a lot of passes uh, thrown to him. He too. dropped a lot, too. Yeah. yeah. Jared Cook didn't look good. Uh, their offense is just going to struggle now with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean – their defense is decent. Hopefully their defense will keep them in it. And if Drew Brees does come back in week eight or nine, then, I mean, they'll be lucky if they win one or two well, games. Do they, do they use Taysom Hill as quarterback instead of Teddy no. Bridgewater? Yeah, no. I, 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 think I, think so. I think the same thing with you, Brandon. I don't think so at all. No, I, I, Sean Payton sees him as a, an anywhere kind of guy. And you see how much he's being used in the offense now. He's basically like the third receiver. Yeah, he I, literally I mean, is the receiver. He's already scored touchdowns and everything. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, I was gonna draft him in fantasy, but I just not yet. <laughs> yeah. um, but I would, because Teddy's a he's a solid quarter starting quarterback when you need him to be a solid quarterback. I mean, he's like he a Matt Moore, terrible in Minnesota. It's just he no, he wasn't. But I mean, how when is the last time the man has started a game? Two seasons ago? Three seasons ago? That was before he, he like tore his ACL in like training camp. I think that was uh, was that when Seattle when they were playing Seattle and outdoors and like um, the Vikings kicker missed that playoff kick. I think that was. I the don't last remember. Time. Yeah, I think that was last time Teddy Bridgewater played when they were still playing at the Minnesota Golfers Stadium. Yeah, um, I mean, look, he is a good quarterback, but I just don't see that, that offense getting a fire lit under them after Drew Brees, their leader, goes down. Uh, if they win one or two games, that that's that's great. Um, other than that, I can't see them making a playoff. They do push. have a tough schedule, man. They go to Seattle, then they play Dallas. After yeah, that. they they have one of the toughest schedules right now, and it's not looking good for them. Uh, as far as the Steelers, man, they just look like a dumpster fire. Uh, if Big Ben goes down. Mason Rudolph is gonna is gonna be the save all if he can. 
Uh, hopefully he plays well like he played well in the preseason, but now he's going against starters, and the game is going to be a totally different speed. Um, I think you could be like what Gardner Minshew is right now and complete a lot of passes and like be able to drive the team down the field. It's just because like there's not a lot of tape on uh, Mason Rudolph, which like defenses can't really study of what he's not going to be Ben Roethlisberger because it's going to nah. be a totally different offense. So that kind of works in the favor of him when it comes to defenses trying to set up a game plan. Like, are they going to run the same thing or is it going to be more heavy run game or are they going to actually use Mason Rudolph's arm, do a lot of short passes and, because he does have uh, his number one receiver from Oklahoma State, James Washington, on the roster, too. They were in the same draft class. And I, I totally think, like, Pittsburgh's schedule is more favorable than the Saints. But at the same time, the Saints have a better roster built around Teddy Bridgewater than what Mason Rudolph has around Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I could agree with you there. Um, but, I mean, even the Steelers' defense just it looks choppy. I mean, yeah, and Mike Tomlin's a defensive coach. You should that should be your number one strength is your defense, and they have been abysmal the past six years, yeah. especially that secondary. Now I don't know what Minka Fitzpatrick if he's going to be a safety or a corner after that trade. Which granted, like the Dolphins have like six first round picks now, but <laughs> but anyway, like I don't know if he's going to be able to like transition into defense like that quick and be able to be like a top-notch player or maybe it might be a good thing for him who knows um the trade is definitely going to help their defense uh but still if if you're asking me who who has a better chance at making the playoffs i give i give an edge to neither team i just don't think either team is going to make a playoff push this season i mean when drew Brees comes back they might finish maybe Seven and nine, eight and eight. Uh, yeah. Steelers, may, I think they're going to finish below 500. Wow. I, I think they will have a better chance of making the playoffs because it's the AFC and it's so top heavy. Because, like, the NFC is loaded with a lot of teams from what it seems like. So, I mean, I mean maybe, maybe these teams go on a run. I, I really think Mason Rudolph has a higher ceiling than what Teddy Bridgewater is going to deal with. But yeah, the Saints have a better roster built around Teddy Bridgewater. But but like that schedule is ruthless. Like I would, yeah. I would start adding like the Cowboys defense because the next two weeks you got to play Miami and Teddy Bridgewater in New Orleans. So, <laughs> and that defense is really good. But um, yeah, I mean, who who knows what's going to bring? And any final thoughts on Minka Fitzpatrick as the former Dolphin? Is he going to help the Steelers? Uh, no. I mean. <laughs> Bama boy, good player, definitely. Uh, yeah, no comment. <laughs> He's not an Ohio State guy, so no. Thank you, man, for that insight. <laughs> no problem. Well, Aunt, or um, Brandon, I'm gonna go to you for this next one with uh, Daniel Jones finally getting the start over Eli Manning, and the era of Eli is done in New York, from what it seems. So, what do you think about the Giants pulling this move in Week Three? Instead of like later on in the season, like they how they were going to say they were going to take the Chiefs approach. Uh, right now, it's 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 nothing. It's the nothing. It's the nothing to lose approach. Um, nothing's drumming with that offense, and that defense just looks piss poor. Um, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be a savior this year. Uh, definitely looked like a solid quarterback, uh, but again, it was preseason. Now he's going against first team players. Um, we really have nobody except Saquon, Evan Ingram, and uh, Golden Tate when he comes back healthy. So we'll see what happens. But you know what, man? Isn't Sterling Shepard hurt too? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's hurt now. So hmm. we're 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 really thin on receivers. So Daniel Jones definitely has his work cut out for him. He's got big shoes to fill. Um, you could say what you want about Eli, but he's been the starter for forever for the Giants as long as I can remember and I mean most teams in the NFL have gone through tons of quarterbacks in in the past few seasons so I mean Eli was a solid starter he won us two Super Bowls but it's time for a change just like when the Giants got rid of Tom Coughlin sometimes it's time for a change sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't but Daniel Jones has his work cut out for him this season 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I didn't feel like Eli was the problem with the Giants. I I feel like it was mostly the defense. Granted, they couldn't get anything go- going in the passing game because they would just run it the first two downs with Saquon, and it's kind of predictable what you're going to do on third down. But at the, at the same time, I don't know. I think this was too premature of a move. They probably could have waited a little bit later. Like, for the first time in a long time, the offensive line looks good. Um, it, it, you're going to get all your weapons eventually back around, like, week three or week four. So why would you throw Daniel Jones in there with just Evan Ingram this upcoming week? I think the you problem know? with the problem with the Giants is the same problem that like the Dolphins have, um, but in different ways. I think that the Giants over these past years, how they've been struggling, how they went from winning a Super Bowl, two Super Bowls with Eli, to to being completely awful, is that everybody is always on the same page. They're either on the same page to be the worst team or they're on the same page to be the best team they can be and there's never like like you guys said problems with the defense problems with the offensive line problems with the offensive line now leads into problems with the run game problems with the pass game problems in the pocket it's just never ending right like i think that just needs um... to be addressing every single part of that team What's different between the like the Redskins and the Dolphins compared to like the Giants is like the Giants all are on like you know they're sort of on the same page. It's just they're doing a little miscues that get them beat. Like especially in that secondary, bro. It looks like everyone is just on a different level when it comes to assignments, but they're all trying hard. They're all going all out. Where like, like some of the players on the Dolphins just you know they just stand up. They look like a scout team out there, to be honest with you. Dude, the, like dolphins, the Dolphins don't even know how to make a tackle. They need to literally teach those guys how to make tackles. And they're not coming from some shit school. Or, or any, any not, not shit school, but they're not coming from the, like, Division three school. Like, these guys are coming from, like, they're not coming Oregon, from LSU, State. Alabama, <laughs> Ohio State, Utah. Like, half-decent schools. So why can't you make a tackle? I don't understand. Like, there's got to be some kind of, like, mental sickness in that locker room that just gets contagious to everybody and well your quarterback's from harvard yeah <laughs> dude I, I don't know i really don't have like any answers for that i i just don't understand it's just everybody just takes the like whatever approach let's just i think they're just like okay we're gonna come in here play football and that's it like no game plan no nothing nobody thinks anything out they just do it and then this is what happens like fitzpatrick goes Scrambles outside the pocket, throws a pick, like pick six, like back-to-back. Yeah, I think this season the Dolphins are not going to have an answer. Uh, They're going to rebuild. I mean, you can already see that. They got rid of all their key players. Um, They're not going to have an answer this season. Um, I think Brian Flores knows that. Um, They're just going to rely heavily on their draft this upcoming season. They need all the help they could possibly get from that front office. It's Week not nine, even the when players they play at this the point. Jets, that's going to be a very great match. The spread might be, be a, under ten points, right? There. That's going to be that's going to be a challenging, challenging game for both teams. <laughs> Dude, but, I mean they they could get their win there. They could get their win there. Anyways, with the Giants though, and Eli going back to the Eli Daniel Jones. I mean, Brandon, you're more than right. This is like you got a nothing lose, nothing to lose situation. There's nothing really happening with that Giants right now. And Saquon better pray and the Giants better pray that that guy is as tough as steel for 10 years to go if they plan on keeping him on the Giants because he's going to get the ball a lot in the run game and the pass game, and he's going to take a lot of hits. So, like, unless they start putting pieces around him, with Evan Ingram coming back healthy and Sterling Shepard's now hurt, I mean, there's really nobody else to give that ball to. And, like, Eli Manning and Daniel Jones are just not going to take a run up the middle here and there. So, you know, there's a lot going on with them. Um, I was never a fan of Eli Manning. I just truly never believed that he was a good quarterback, regardless of winning two Super Bowls or not. I just think that he was very, like, a coward in the pocket. How every time somebody would come up to him and he'd want to slide and fall down right away. I mean, this is the NFL. Take the hit. If you if you want to be great, you're going to have to take sacrifices. I know it's going to suck, 
But if you want to be great, you got to take a sacrifice. Or throw if you the want ball to get the, away. Or throw the ball away. Make little, make better decisions as a professional, leading a professional organization. Just make better decisions. But we'll see what happens with Daniel Jones. And I mean, I get my respect. Yeah, when you say uh, this long. When you say Eli doesn't, um, he doesn't like to escape the pocket. Did you guys lose me there? No, we heard you about uh, yeah, escape when the you pocket. were yeah when. When you said Eli doesn't like to escape the pocket, the first thing that came to mind was the Super Bowl against the Patriots when he escaped like five five guys, chucked yeah, the ball in the air. Yeah, 12 years and ago. He, yeah, and the infamous <laughs> helmet catch happened. 12 years ago, man. We were talking about uh, the past please. five seasons. I don't know. He's I guess old. It's just... He's old. Look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady goes down as soon as somebody rubs his jersey. Give me a break. No, I I'm just... just... I think it's just the inconsistency that we've seen over the over the seasons, not one he's, season, but like many I, seasons. I, yeah, he's very inconsistent. There's no doubt about that. But so is the coaching. I mean, my God, I, they brought yeah. in Pat Shermer, and he doesn't have any answers. I mean, the defense looks the worst it's it's been in so many, and I don't know how many years. I mean, my God, I mean, the Cowboys gashed us. Like Dak Prescott threw the ball ten times to every receiver, and they were wide open. It's literally the same thing as the Dolphins. I think they just have guys are taking off the street to to make decisions for the organization. Because, I mean, dude, I I played football in eighth grade for one year, and then I was gonna play freshman year, and then didn't go through with it. I think all of us can be better business people for the for any of those organizations than those people can because. We can even make a little bit more sense than what's going on right now. And oh, like, sure, as, who am as I? fans, yeah. Who am I? Like, who am I to say that? But like, honestly, well, what else is it when you think about it? Like, are they being paid to lose? Like, is that what's going on right now? I honestly, with, you really um, never know what's going on. With Eli, though, it was like. He transitioned into um, a short yardage quarterback where it was just like a dink and dunk offense. And like most of the time, those like yards after the carry, like those tackers were there. And he was eight and 25 the past three years. He had that one playoff run, but they've had like six out of seven past seasons. They've missed the playoffs. The thing with Eli that I'll never understand is like as a quarterback, you're you're the leader of your offense there, and a lot of guys look up to you. You know, everybody puts the camera on your quarterback, and he'll make a he'll go to make a play. He'll either get an incomplete pass and get sacked, and then he'll put his hands up in the air like he's either looking for a flag or like that something went wrong. Just own up to it. You didn't make the completion. Why are you it, trying to kind of point fingers without doing it? You, you know could put it like, on like a more of an Andrew Luck kind of scenario, except for like the injuries that the, to the fact that Jerry Reese never gave him an offensive line. They just put a lot of skill people around Eli Manning, hoping that would work. But at the same you time, you need, an offensive, guy. you need an offensive line. And like ever since they went on that Super Bowl run the second time, they just never had it. And that's why. That's kind of why, like, Tom Coughlin got ran out of town because it was just 7-9 and 7-9 because the, the cream of the crop, your offensive line just kept letting a lot of sacks and you kept blowing a lot of games that way. Yeah, he got – over the years, he got way too much pressure. But I still don't think that, like, Eli's decision-making at times and was up to professional standard. And, like I said, who am I to say that? Never played a college game in my life, but from a fan perspective that you can see and kind of compare to other players. There's that cliff, man. That cliff hits you in football out of nowhere sometimes, man. It, yeah. it, it happened to his brother Peyton Manning, so everyone's yeah. going to hit it. That's it's very just, true. It hit, Eli, it hit Eli Manning three years ago, and the Giants thought he was going to be the answer Yeah, for like the past three years. That was the problem. Granted, Daniel Jones is going to be like Eli Manning 2.0 because, one, he looks exactly like him, two, he, <laughs> he looks just, just like how he did when he was coming out of Old Miss. Yeah, he, he looks just like him. But, yeah, the defense is such a big issue for that team. Um, they, they got to play the Eagles and the Cowboys, who have, like, top-tier defenses and, you know, <laughs> well-built roster around them. So it's, it's going to take a while for the Giants. I think it's a... a David Gettleman and Pat Shermer's last year in the front organization's office. I re I really do because 
you you establish your culture, but at the same time, you don't have a path of like where the team is gonna go. Culture is a big thing in the NFL, but like it's about executing like the way the culture is ran. Like you gotta have a set plan. And right now, the Giants are just kind of like shuffling through. Like two years ago, they had a great def- it was top ten defense with um uh, Landry Collins and um, like their pass rushers. And that's when uh, Shane Vereen like came onto the stage when they made that playoff uh, appearance against Green Bay. But ever since then, that defense has vanished. That old line yep. has been atrocious. Now you got the old line back up the piece, and now you lose a lot of skilled people on the outside because you traded them all away. So it's like, what is like the end point? You know, what what's your game plan? It, it just doesn't I make think, sense. I think Gettleman should have been fired as soon as he decided to trade Odell Beckham. Granted, that, Kevin that's, Zeitler has that, been really good for that offensive line, but at the same token, now you're going to give uh, Daniel Jones no targets? Like, no. Odell would have been huge for Daniel Jones. Oh, Golden Tate's going to be his number one target, I would assume. Yeah. I mean, it's just the Dolphins know they stink and they're getting a the rebuild process. It's just the Giants, like, they think they're contenders and they stink. Yeah. <laughs> the that's, that's, the, how it's, that's how the, it's been the past few seasons. You're absolutely the problem, right. The problem with the Dolphins is, like, we had a decent team a couple of years ago. Like, they were, like, wild-card contenders if they could have gotten maybe Moore a better the quarterback, coach, right? coaching staff. And, like, Tannehill was not a bad quarterback, but he just really had no guidance. I truly believe that guy could have been a, a really good quarterback. I really, really believe that. And a lot of people doubt this, but I'm telling you, I really believe that Tannehill could have done something special. But he's just put on a crappy team with no guidance. And, like, if you want to be a good player, I'm going to say this, and I've not been this enthusiastic about anything so far in this talk. If you want to be a good player, you (laughs) need to have a good coach around you. You have to. And I know that from just being coached myself and being around different people. They open up your eyes to different things and lead you down different paths. You cannot do everything yourself. We all have blind spots. And he just did not have – the right person to get him where he needs to be. And now he's older and now he's hurt and now it's nothing. You know, now he's well, on the Titans like backing up or whatever. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> let's let's talk about the Dolphins for a little bit. I think that um you know, they're doing a right thing of like they know they stink and acquire all these picks and stuff, but you're kind of like leaving the team with like nothing to work with. They're going to have a 100 and $20 million of cap space next year, but who's going to come to that team after what they're doing right now? Who's going to come jump ship? And like, what's like I said, the big thing about the NFL nowadays is like establishing a culture. What is the culture in Miami, especially now with them getting ramrod by teams by like 40 or more? They've been outscored 102 to 10 in the past two weeks. That's like never been done. I don't, I don't know what. What's the core base? What are you going to be like? What's going to be your selling point? Like, oh, play with Tua for the next couple of years and then we'll be good. No, you got to have players who want to win now and, you know, they want to be the face of the franchise, essentially. And I think, Wes, what it comes down to is getting people in that office and in those coaching spots that want to win. And this is what happens. The player wants to win they play the nfl they play because they want to win you heard jalen ramsey say it they want to win guys are getting trades because they want to go to the winning team if the coaching staff does not have that mindset and establish those expectations early on or establish the hope even even or establish establish a hope of winning exactly or establish that culture as you're saying then the players are just going to follow this trash, this trash route. And that's the problem with the giants too. Like, it just seems like there is no culture like the saints. They're very, like they do their pregame pump up with drew Brees. He gives a speech, Tom Brady comes out, he gives the let's go fist prompt. There's, there's culture to these teams. There's historic moments that people want to be a part of. What does the dolphins have? What do the Jets have? They just show up, they they lose, and then they go back in the locker room. They probably go home, and that's just repeat. The Dolphins are more like the, what the Redskins have, been. like exactly what the Redskins have been. You know, I that mean, culture just, is just so non-existent. You're putting a bunch of names on the team and not really establishing your assets correctly. Exactly, like with the Chiefs, like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, like. 
we know these names, and that's why the Browns may actually be something of themselves if Baker Mayfield can really become more of an accurate passer and make it a little bit better of a decision in with the ball in his hands because he had a couple of really big misses that he could have gave some good completions. But, like, it's that's the problem, is like you guys said, is, like, the culture and the coming together and the being one. And they don't, they don't have that. They don't have that. And then you're going to get good players in. They're just going to keep constantly filtering out because they have nothing to hold on to. Brandon, do you think Jay Cutler makes an appearance on the Dolphins this year? Uh, I think Jay Cutler is going to make an appearance on one of these, uh, probably one of these series on ABC or something, like the doctor shows. going to show up as one of the doctors or something. I mean – I mean, guys, come on. Let's, let's maybe on. maybe on a soap opera. I mean, let's be honest, right? I, I want a serious opinion from you guys. Let's be honest. The past two three seasons, where they're signed Jay Cutler and Ryan Fitzpatrick, what was the point of that? Is does that show you're serious about winning? <laughs> like seriously, I, I didn't hear one of you guys say, "Oh yeah, absolutely." Well, no, because. I... I don't think you remember. Rem- I think they signed Jay Cutler because Ryan Tannehill tore his knee in training camp. I think that was the reason why they signed Jay Cutler, and I think he was the only serviceable, serviceable quarterback still on the market. Like what? You think they were going to sign Colin Kaepernick? Like, I yeah. mean, they pretty much damn near came close to it. But I, it's got to be like the new, the new general manager and the new coach. Are you? Are they even going to stay that long? Like. There were rumors about them going after Jim Harbaugh. Now do they actually make a pitch to Jim Harbaugh? Because, like, Michigan, if they start losing now and there's been a lot of scrutiny coming in Jim Harbaugh's way, does Miami say just throw a bunch of money at him and be like, look, you you have, like, five first-round picks in the next two years. Make your own roster. Like, are they going to do that? Or, like, what – like I said, what is the plan of the Dolphins? Yeah, you're going to rebuild, but, like, how long? Like, a year, two – Whatever. There's no way they should be going after Harbaugh. They have. They just bought. They just got a brand new coach who came from the Patriot system. You can't put it all on the coach because he's got nobody to work with. Who? Do, he's yeah, got nobody exactly. to work with. But you just don't know what the Dolphins are gonna do. That's my point. Yeah. Like ownership is like I don't... got one thing, and then the general manager has a completely different other strategy. Who knows? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it's gonna take, man. I don't know if it's gonna just take a whole like let's get rid of the organization and try to find a different way to make Miami have a team. Let's go to the XFL, build up a couple of years, and then make the jump to the NFL. It, it, it's just <laughs> sad. It's just really sad, and not saying because like I am a Dolphins fan, but it's sad because it's like, can you just imagine the Patriots going through this after everything that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have done, like? Dan Marino, like Don Shula, like Super Bowl champions, 14-0, zero losses. Like, I know that was back in the 70s or whatever it was, but... But Don Shula only had, like, two losing seasons. It's, it's, exactly, it's just, it's history. Like, it's history. It's just, how do you let that happen? How over the years does this happen? It just doesn't make sense to me. It's hard to create a culture when there's there, when the team doesn't know what direction they're going in. Yeah. So it's, I mean, besides like your message to the players, Wait, like say what that you, again? where the players can say that. For. Brandon, said say it's that hard. Again? It's hard to create a culture when the teams don't know what direction they're going in. Like the Patriots have had a culture ever since Tom Brady and the Bel- Belichick era. I mean. People like to play on the Patriots because Tom Brady comes and gives you a hug and a kiss before every game, and it makes you feel warm and fuzzy, <laughs> and they play really well. <laughs> That's actually really funny. Dallas, I you're like you just on need national some TV all the time, and like the Philadelphia, you're playing with like the rowdiest city in America, and like you they, know Denver, you're playing leader. a hard nose like Mountain West. Like <laughs> they they need they need leaders in that organization that truly care about people. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Care about people and care about winning. That's really it. If you care about winning, then you'll do X, 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 and X, and X. You know, if you only care about money, then you're going to only care about doing X and X. But if you care about winning, winning takes a lot more than just showing up and collecting a paycheck or just, you know, driving to practice in your Rolls Royce. 
Like when we're Cleveland showing went up only to... 16, they had ballers on that team. They were like competitive to win and like they kept losing close matchups. Now it's like yeah, the at least might be the very worst team like ever. But like, at least they no were losing. No one's motivated to take the field or anything. They were losing close games though. Like they were competing. This team is just giving up. Like why are you showing up? Why are you showing up? Why? Why? You don't want to make the season like a cherry on top if like what they had, what the Bills had last year, and had the player retire at halftime. Like that would <laughs> yeah, be like that. great for the dog. Who knows? Because right after that, the Bills won their first game. So like maybe that's the turning point in the season for the Dolphins, man. Maybe that yeah. player that retires at halftime, they go on like a six-game winning streak. Yeah, Xavier Howard's definitely going to be that guy. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully it is a Rashid Jones, one of them. <laughs> Why are they still on the team? They're like two of the best corners in the league, or safety, safety and corner. Just get get, get well, out, get out. You don't, well, because you don't be here. You're J- too good. Jalen Ramsey and Jamal Adams already requested trades, so they gotta wait until they get traded. Which, by the way, uh, with that, yeah, Jalen Ramsey requested a trade. Do, where do you think he would fit best if, like, he does get traded anyway? I don't think Jacksonville will trade him because I think they'll work it out. But where he would fit best. Uh, Patriots. What would be the best spot for Jalen Ramsey? Fuck me. The yeah, way the way these defenses the, the way these defenses are going so far, Tennessee. Oh, okay. He'd be a total compliment to Tennessee's defense this season. Tennessee's defense, like I said, Wes is very tough, and like he's competitor, so they would love. That is very true. They would love him out in Tennessee. Where I'd see, yeah, Mike, be, Ver- Mike Vrabel would love his physicality. Where I would like to see, uh, I mean, where do I think he's good? The best Miami, like where they need him. Is how you is that what the question is? Like where they need him? Or yeah, where like where do you think the best fit for Jalen Ramsey would? be mm. instead of Jacksonville. I personally don't think he's getting traded, but you know, the I don't think he's gonna, still out there. I don't think he's going to get traded either, but I, I can definitely see him going to Tennessee. That's a, definitely a good one or to that. Because the Jaguars be... are asking for two first round picks for him. No one's going to do that. Yeah, that's kind of a lot. Um, that's a lot, man, for a team to give up. Maybe the Saints, but like I can't see. I can't. Maybe the Saints. Saints or Titans. I think either or there. I mean, he's got no home being on like the Colts or or the Bills. He's just not a good fit for one of those teams. I don't feel like he needs to be around people that are more like him. Yeah, the fit I see is like the two contenders at the top is uh, Philadelphia and Kansas City. I could see Philly. I could see Philly would be good because, like, Philly's been getting burnt on the back end of like a lot of uh, plays the past two weeks, especially against Washington and Atlanta. But like Kansas City to like one up the Patriots because that's basically who you're competing with. You're competing with the Patriots to get to the Super Bowl. There's going to be a cakewalk for Kansas City, and that Kansas City defense is very suspect. And like, you can just tell Jalen Ramsey to go on the opposing receivers, like the opposing team's number one receiver. Like when it comes to championship game, just. Go guard Antonio Brown. Don't leave him. That's your job. And like, getting, that would that would kind of even out the playing field between those two teams. Can you guys help me email the GM for the Dolphins and tell him that I want Xavier Howard and Rashid Jones get traded? <laughs> Start a they're, petition. They're like first round like players. Honestly, they're like they're like top one hundred players, both of them, and they both need to get out of that organization. Or should they keep them just to at least keep a foundation? No, get rid of them and have no no. I mean, look at what no Cle- Cleveland didn't get rid of like that many people, and now Cleveland is like making a comeback. Yeah, look, man, you don't want to empty the boat. I mean, yeah, you can't. You need you got to hang on to something if you want to rebuild. Empty the boat. I just want Dolphins to go negative one and seventeen. I, listen, it's still <laughs> very likely with those two guys in the team. So. You and it's only, very well come it's only week two. It's only week two. Yeah. There's a lot of losing left to do for them. So. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, on right, the uh, other hand, uh, on, on a short question. note, Melvin, Melvin Gordon said he's, he's going to be playing somewhere this season. So that, that could mean he, he's in talks for a trade. He's a free I, agent. I thought now. he was uh, 
No, I thought he was rumored no. to come back. He said he's going to be playing somewhere. The Chargers don't want to talk to him until the end of the season. He maybe he comes back to the Chargers. I don't know. Who knows? But um, I'm gonna wrap it up with this. I'm gonna go over to two and zero teams right now. Well, two and zero and one zero and one. So right now, two and zero teams are the Ravens, the Bills, the Cowboys, the Packers, Chiefs, Rams, Patriots, Seahawks, 49ers, Lions, Falcons, or not Falcons, and Lions. So what was kind of a surprise two and zero? Like, do you think the 49ers are gonna hold it together? Do you think the Bills are gonna hold it together? Like, who do you see really making a run? It's a lot of like surprises. The Bills. The Ravens were a surprise for me because I thought they would take a step back. Seattle's kind of a surprise. Like, who do you think is the top, like, the top five teams right now? The Ravens. Um, like I stated when we went over our uh, our predictions, I think the Ravens are going to win their division. Um, I think it's clear cut more now that the Ravens are going to repeat because, like, that team is just firing on all cylinders. Yeah. The only problem um, is Mark Ingram is hurt, isn't he, a little bit? A little banged up. Yeah, he went out of the up game. last week. Yeah. I mean, the Bills look solid. Josh Allen looks good. I think uh, that defense I, is really good with the Bills. I, yeah. I, they're, I think the Ravens are definitely going to be the winners of the division. I mean, just what they've shown so far week one, week two on offense. And just, I mean, they haven't really been challenged defense that much yet, but. Um, an offense just producing and like that's and you kind of the rest of the division. Cleveland doesn't look up to par right now, and the yeah. Steelers lost Big Ben, and then Cincinnati just like got ramrodded by the 49ers. Yeah, yeah. The so rest the... of that division is kind of a mess at the at the moment. But the thing is, um, they haven't really had that much of a challenge. But if they can keep gaining this confidence, I think they'll be okay. The Bills, they do this every year. They start off really well, like 3-4-0, and then they just start losing games again. I don't Weren't know. Weren't the like Dolphins 3-0 last year at the start of the season? I feel like they were. Last year or the year before, they were literally 3-0, yeah. yeah. Yeah, something like that. And, yeah, so and like... they, just, <laughs> they just like start losing games. So, I mean, I'm not saying the Bills are going to, but the Bills' defense is like top five. And it you really never, is. You would not think that, but that defensive line is scary. And then they're really solid around the whole field. I mean, in in the backfield and, you know, the run game and everything. They're just monsters all around. So, them and the Titans, they're like very underrated defenses that you would not think but they're that are good, but they're really very, very good. Um, but, yeah. The I NFC West the has three undefeated teams in the Seahawks, Rams, and 49ers. The 49ers, I don't know what that is. I can see them <laughs> losing the rest of their games. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo just went crazy out of nowhere and started throwing for all these yards and touchdowns. And now, um, I mean, it just came out of nowhere. 49ers look solid on both sides of the ball. Um, they got they played Pittsburgh Black- this week, too. Yeah, I mean, that, that should be another win for them. Uh, they should be 3-0. Um the Rams, I mean, they really don't. They really didn't impress me. Um, I thought they—they're they, they, not the dynamic offense that left off uh, last season. Yeah. Um, and Todd Gurley's been very limited. Um, yeah, he's yeah. in there, but he's not—he's not producing. You know, not yet. So they're we'll giving Max Brown the ball a lot. Mark Brown, yeah. or whatever uh, his name. Oh, it was all because of Todd Gurley's knee. I mean, at the beginning of the season, they said they weren't going to limit him and give him and keep him on a rep count, but now it seems that they are. Yeah. I mean, right now it's uh, Patriots, Chiefs, Cowboys, Ravens, and then I'll throw in the Seahawks right there too. Like, Packers do look good, but it's just the offense is going to take some time to get gelled in with like the Lafleur system. Um. Who knows? They face the Cowboys in two weeks. And then the 49ers, I feel like they got to play more competition because they did play the Bucks and the uh, Bengals. So that's not really anything to look over. But yeah, well, the, the Bucks Bills, defense I mean, is good. The Bucks defense is good, but it's just like, at the same token, that offense is very shady. Bucks defense very, is not really as good as the Dolphins terrible. defense. Yeah. Dolphins, and you would expect a lot more with uh, Bruce Aaron's top three. Dolphins' defense is excellent, dude. They put up two <laughs> points this week in fantasy. They didn't get a negative point this week. 
<laughs> it's honestly really good. The uh the fantasy outlook was like really funny. Like with uh reading the Dolphins for week two, it's like, what are you doing? You're really reading this after they just got let <laughs> up fifty nine points, and they're about to face the goat, and they just added the a really great wide receiver. What are you thinking? Dude, Steve still has my Cameron Wake jersey. I'm going to tell him to wear it around proudly because the Dolphins are doing really good this year. He'll be like, really, do? All right. <laughs> he probably would. He'd probably start wearing it around. I'm going to start wearing my Tannehill jersey around every day now. You should You should get a Jake Cutler jersey. Yeah. I should get the oh. worst player on the team. I would. <laughs> I came close to buying a Denver Bronco Jake Cutler jersey, like in the early years. I was like, Ooh. dude, he was he was like a even when he was on the Bears, like everyone's like, oh, I believe in Jake Cutler, I believe in him. How? Like Eli Manning was a way better quarterback than than Jake Cutler, and like I'm not dissing Eli at this point. I'm just saying, like I believe way more in Eli, even when he like went five and eleven a couple of years ago, than I do Jake Cutler bringing his team like to eight and eight or whatever. I just never Jake, thought Jake Cutler Jake was Jake Plummer was better than Jake Cutler, and the coaching staff decided to go with Jake Cutler. I'm like, come on, go with Jake the Snake, man. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. All right, Jake. well, I'm going to end it there, man. <laughs> We're going to end it with Jake Cutler smoking a cigarette. So, good <laughs> on you, Jake. <laughs> That's all the time we have for the NFL Weekly Drive. We thank you for joining us. If you have any comments or suggestions going forward, give us a message and leave a comment. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at BenchBros2019. We keep you up to date with every headline throughout the week on those pages. And we will keep you up to date with all the NFL news going around the league as well. We're also available on Spotify, Anchor, and SoundCloud. So, again, thank you for listening, guys. Any last thoughts on the NFL? Week two. Week three, baby. Let's go. Giants, Dolphins. Big wins this week. Big wins this week, boys. Big wins coming for them. Do you yeah. think it's just the Super Bowl curse because the Super Bowl is in Miami? That no, why that team is so bad. No, it's got nothing to do with it. Well, week three, baby, Dolphins. They're gonna win by sixty. You watch. <laughs> Fitzpatrick's just... gonna throw for four hundred fifty yards. They're just going to grow out and get the whole Alabama team and have them wear the jerseys of the guys that are on They're going to hire Nick Saban. Again, they'll never know the difference. They're going to hire him again and make more of the the players cry. (laughs) Dude, the only thing i got to say is NASCAR-related. Did you guys see Kyle Busch after Las Vegas? Oh, save it for Ben Rose. Save it for Ben Rose. No NASCAR news. I can't wait. I can't wait. He's like, all right. With the fifty three, the fifty two car, he's like, "Did you see what happened? What happened back there, Kyle? With the fifty three car?" He's like, fifty two, get it right. I don't know." He was All right, thank you for listening to the NFL Weekly Drive. We're out. <laughs>